Compete on every snap and have fun. And last, and most importantly, be physical. They got to do something. They got to do something. They shoot the tires. They And we're back, Hard Edge Football Podcast with Coach Rod and Raquel. We're already at episode 28, looking forward to talking about some hot topics going on in the world of football. And of course, my partner Raquel, I'm sure, has a few things to say on this podcast as well. Well, how are we doing today? We're good. We are probably, I know we're going to talk about it because you're going to ask me about it. We are probably in the busiest month of college football, maybe in the last 10 to 15 years. Wow. Yeah, we got camps going on for the first time in a couple of years. You got uh, official and unofficial visits going on the entire month. You got mm-hmm. players getting enrolled uh, for summer school, first time freshmen and transfers and all that. And then you have the ever-present transfer portal still out there going crazy mm-hmm. in the free agent world of college football. And then in July 1st, you're going to have a lot of NIL, name, image, and likeness stuff that's going to hit the college sports world as well. So a whole lot going on uh, in college football, that's for sure. Yeah, so how have those summer camps been? Has it been – have you guys had a lot of people come out? I have, and I know you guys have been to a couple camps as well. Yeah, we, we had great attendance at, at, at here in Monroe for our, our two camps. Uh, camps across the country look like they're packed. And, mm-hmm. and schools are having – instead of having two or three, some of them are having five or six camps. And, and they're getting a lot of campers because kids want to be seen and mm-hmm. uh, coaches want to see them. So it, I think it's, it's a win-win. It's a busy time. And also because of official visits, official and unofficial visits, it's been because of the pandemic, there hadn't been any. Right. And now you combine that with, uh, with everything else going on. So coaches are, are, are working 24 seven and uh, it's, and then, you know, there's a little bit of a break time probably in July, but the coaches will really need that this time coming forward. Yeah, it'll be a well-deserved break in the month of July after this June. Yeah, and it's not just, the, you know, the coaches on the field, coaches or anything like that. It is, it is everybody behind the scenes was put in just as many hours or not more. Your recruiting department, your scouting department, your, your operations people. And like I said, then you also, you know, a lot of – First-time students going to college, getting settled in, in the, uh, where they're going to live in the dorms, getting into summer school. And then, of course, you got to get prepared for the season as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a busy time, but a fun time and a really exciting time for a lot of uh, particularly high school players that have not had a chance to visit campuses. In case anyone's listening that is attending or working a lot of these summer camps, do you have any advice for either one of them? Sure. I always got advice. <laughs> uh, for the guys, the campers that are going, obviously you're going to, a lot of them are going to maybe learn a little bit of football, but more than anything to show, to show themselves and, and be seen by college coaches. Cause there's not just college coaches from the, from the school you're visiting. Uh, most of them like us, you have co- visiting coaches uh, from other schools there as well. And you want to go there and, and put your best foot forward, but not worry about if you make a mistake or or something like that uh, when you're running a route or doing a drill, but more that you're going to compete. One thing coaches want to see is that the guys that compete, in other words, they got a line of guys that do things. You don't want to be the guy that kind of goes in the back of the line and hope you don't take a rep. You want to get in the front of the line, and if there's a good guy on the other side, you want to jump in front and make sure you go against the good guys. 
And that's the way to get noticed uh, from a competitive standpoint and also from an ability standpoint. And then coaches, you know, you don't want to get too enamored and just, you know, offer a guy just off the camp. And mm-hmm. we always say, you know, let, let, let trust your eyes, what you see on the camp, and then verify it with the film. You know, try to mm-hmm. see some film on them. So, but there's been a lot of guys that, uh, particularly in high school, that you know, one year from a sophomore to junior year or junior to senior year, they grow up a lot. They they uh, they get bigger, faster, stronger, and and uh, you'll get guys just about in every camp get a surprise or two from a coaching standpoint that hey, this guy might be a guy that we need to offer and get on campus. So it's a benefit to both sides, and it's it's really good because again, because of the pandemic, for the first time. A lot of coaches have seen these guys in person. Can you think off the top of your head of a former players of yours or a former recruit where you saw them in camp and you just knew you had to have them, anything like that? Oh, yeah, I can remember one in particular. You remember Chris Henry? Mm-hmm. Uh, from uh, He kept from New Orleans. And um, uh, Chris came, big slim, uh, to West Virginia to a summer camp. And we knew about him in high school, but he was kind mm-hmm. of a late developer. You remember he was tall, fast, had everything. And, uh, but we, and we loved this film, but we didn't, he's a young guy, so we didn't know as much about him. And he went to camp and just dominated. I mean, there wasn't a corner that, that could guard him. And he was one of those ultra competitive. He wanted to take every rep. And then after every rep, he was like, okay, who you got? He went, he went to find out somebody else that he could run by or beat. And after that camp, we're like, oh my gosh, this is a guy we got to have. Mm-hmm. And we wind up getting them, and and obviously he did some great things for us, and then went on to the NFL, and and all that. But uh, he was one in particular that not a lot of people knew about. Mm-hmm. And you know, after camp, we were like, we don't want him to go to anybody else's camp. You know, mm-hmm. we you know we right. wanted him at our place. Was it much easier back in the day to kind of find those hidden gems in recruiting versus nowadays? It's like. Film everywhere. I mean, Twitter, Instagram, everything. That, so that's a great point. I mean, there's there's very few secrets because, as you said, everybody's got uh, film and video, and it's easy to send it to schools and and to get get yourself evaluated. So uh, back then, you could maybe find a guy, and then also once you find him, you could maybe hide him a little bit more because <laughs> right. you know he wasn't all the his camp performance wasn't getting plastered all over the place. It's everything is so much visible now. But I still think I'm still one of these guys that thinks that you can find a guy that maybe is probably should be recruited more and was overlooked a little bit, and you see something special in him in person, and uh, you just hope that you can hang on to him and and, and get him on campus. So, but it, it's so crazy now, Raquel, and I'm sure many of our listeners understand this with the transfer portal going on and the camps going on. I mean. Half the schools that probably are a group of five schools, like we're in at Monroe, are taking half their class from transfers. And so high school guys, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of high school players getting left out. Yeah, so you think that the transfer portal is going to hurt the high school athlete a good amount, at least in the next couple years. Yeah, you think about it. There were 1,600 kids in the portal uh, total, over 1,600. And now as as of this week, there's still 580 that are still in the portal, which mm-hmm. means they either haven't got the offer they want or haven't gotten an offer. And so you think about this is already mid June. So it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, schools are still looking at them for free agencies. So let, let alone what, what high school guys are coming out. So there's a, there's a lot of unsure guys out there. Uh, a lot of good football players, 
Uh, obviously, we like to get guys to come to our place if they're looking for a scholarship and try to try to compete and get a spot or come to our visit our campus and work out for us, what have you. But there's a lot of schools that can say the same thing. But it's been a good thing for for a lot of guys. But it's also been a there's been a lot of downside for high school players and for guys that entered the portal and didn't get what they thought they'd get. One unique thing you just said right there too is now it's legal for recruits to come work out. You can watch them work out at your facility now. Yeah, it's a, it's a first time ever where they they're allowed to. This is a really I mean it's almost I didn't even see it coming and then uh, <laughs> they came out and said, "Hey, listen, you can have a prospect come on official visit or unofficial visit." And work them out. Before that was an absolute no-no. If they, if you wanted to watch them work out, they had to be at a camp. Mm-hmm. Now they can work out on an unofficial visit. Now it has to be just a coach in a one-on-one workout, but that's an invaluable tool to where you can get guys come and, and do some drills with them and see how he, he how quickly he picks up things, see how he moves in person and, or throws or catches or what have you. And do some one-on-one with them as a coach and a, and a prospect. So that's I think it's a great thing. I think that rule should always been there. Yeah, but now it is certainly there uh, in this month of June. Shifting gears a little bit, big college football news is that the college football playoff committee is considering expanding the four-team playoff to a possible twelve-team format. What do you think about this? I'd like to. I'd like to find out what our listeners think of this too, wouldn't you? I mean, what the yeah. is? I, you know, is it is eight the best number? Is it sixteen? Is that too many? Twelve is kind of an in between. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think it is a good reward for the top four teams uh, playing the first round games on the home campus. I think will be pretty neat. Uh, it's going to diminish more bowl games, and that's already started. But if you can use the bowl games at least for the quarterfinals and the semifinals and the and uh, going forward, that that will help somewhat. But it's it's. Uh, I didn't think the old system where you had the bowls and one and two played was that bad. But I can understand the interest in the playoffs. There'll be a lot of money involved, and more right. money spread out probably more to the bigger schools. But uh, I think it's headed that way. And you know, whatever the, whatever the rules are, whatever sets, our coaches will adapt to it. And I know college football fans are probably wanting a twelve team playoff, get more people a chance to win it all. So that'd be fun. Would you like the number twelve versus eight or sixteen? What number I mean, would 16 you? Sixteen might be a little too many, uh-huh. uh, but uh, that wouldn't be a total. I just think you wouldn't have you know your your number one against sixteen matchup. I don't think would be as appealing. Uh, I, right. I, I think. I think the the rich are going to get richer, so to speak, from that standpoint. You got some really dominant teams that seem to always be in the playoffs, and with the way college football is going now, with with the free transfers, uh, basically free agency, with the NIL stuff, those the separation is going to get even bigger between yeah. one and sixteen, or uh, even one and eight to ten. But I do think uh, they'll create a lot of interest. But I think 12, the way they presented the 12 thing is actually uh, might be a whole lot of fun and, and very interesting and still put some still put some oomph into the importance of a regular season. That's why right. the big argument has always been college football is so exciting. And one reason why is because every game in the regular season was like a playoff. Because if mm-hmm. you lost one, you're probably out. Maybe not. If you lost two games, you're definitely out. Mm-hmm. So it puts so much importance on the regular season game. 
So I think if you if you get too many teams in a playoff, it could diminish the importance of a loss in the regular season. Mm-hmm. How much longer do you think it would make the regular season? Because, of course, you're going on, what, 14, 15 weeks if you have, a, of course, a larger yeah, playoff. Gonna, I, I don't think they're going to take away – you can't take away an open date. you got to give the guys a break of one week. But I think – They'll probably start the playoffs. I think I saw where it's going to be a week or two after championship games, and then in the first of the year you'll start your quarterfinals. So you're gonna you're gonna go into February. I mean, you'll be before the Super Bowl, but not much before it, mm-hmm. just because of the number of games you got to play. And it's a lot of games. I I think uh, you're going to do that. I think you ought to let you know Division One schools have more than 85 scholarships. I mean, let them get to 95 and have more players readily available and. And uh, that way you're you're not going to have, you know, as, as many worries. You're still going to get guys hurt, but you'll be able to play more people. Do you think – what do you think about from a player standpoint what they're thinking about this? Because, of course, 12 spots is, you know, you know, more players will be able to get to play in the college football playoff. But there are – which Red has talked about, there are a lot of players that do enjoy going home for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're in a playoff uh, – that they'll still be, you know, excited about maybe winning a national championship and doing all that thing. But I think it'll be even more so if you're not in the playoff and there's 12 teams, you're going to be like, I don't want to play in this bowl game. I want to opt out. Opt out, right. All the bowls that aren't in the 12 team playoff, uh, uh, rotation hat, what have you, um, they're going to really struggle to, to get fans and to get players excited by doing that's a shame because I love, I mean, been in a bunch of bowls as a coach and was in four as a player. Uh, and the bowls experience, bowl experience was so great. But kids are a little different nowadays. I think they mm-hmm. travel more. They're more worldly without those experiences. So maybe it's not a big deal. But I hate to see that because I love the bowl games. And I think it's very valuable to a lot of players. But I see more guys wanting a so-called opt-out of the bowls that aren't involved in the playoffs. And that's a shame. So can you remember, what was your favorite experience, favorite bowl experience as a player at WVU? Well, the first bowl game of my freshman year was the first time I've ever flown on a plane, so that was kind of a neat experience. <laughs> um, and then my last bowl game, uh, we were underdogs to TCU in the Houston, at the time, Blue Bonnet Bowl. There was a bowl after Blue Bonnet Margarine or something. <laughs> you know? Blue Bonnet sounds like game. ice cream. I think, is yeah, that ice cream? Uh, uh, ice cream or butter or something, but it was uh, that was that was a lot of fun because we won and we had a we had a great time uh, with that. So I um, mean, all the bowl games that that was in, and then as a coach, I mean, if you wind up winning a bowl game, it was a good bowl. If you wind up losing, it wasn't. But right. the, the Sugar Bowl was one that stood out. Uh, we were at West Virginia and played Georgia in a displaced Sugar Bowl from New Orleans. It was in Atlanta, Georgia, and so. That was really a neat whole the whole week and and certainly after the game was 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 really really memorable. Yeah, that's that's the thing that stuff about games is it's a good bowl experience if you win, but it's yeah. not if you lose. Yeah, not, you, you got to think about it so long. And typically, the bowls are rewards because you well back then you had to have a winning season to be in one and and uh and so it was it was always kind of a, a neat deal plus you wanted to send the seniors out and we didn't have back then it was before guys are opting out and 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 so everybody was you know most of the players were usually pretty excited about being in it and you know getting the bowl gifts and and trying as a coach you try to make it have you know make sure they worked and were ready 
but I also enjoyed the time. So some other sports news. The softball College World Series just wrapped up. Oklahoma won. And then, of course, Mike Candrea from the University of Arizona retired. Such a great softball coaching legend. Was there for 36 years. Is that right? Yes. It's, you know, and folks, I'm glad you brought that up. If there are people are listening, if you've not watched um, uh, women's college softball or the World Series or World Series Region uh, College Baseball, you are missing out. I know football coaches are so busy we don't get to watch it. But, you know, it, it is the women's college softball is a fast-paced game, very exciting. Obviously, we've been at places where they were very good. Michigan, they were very good. And Arizona, one mm-hmm. of the best every every year under Mike Candrea, who may be the best women's college softball coach in the history I think he is in the history and mm-hmm. uh, maybe one of the best ever at any level, at any sport. That's how mm-hmm. good Coach Candre is doing. He's announced his retirement. He's a good friend and just dominant. He's a guy that's going to have a statue out in front of him right. uh, at their softball field in Tucson, Arizona, and deserves every bit of it. What a, what a career he's had. And uh, I watched the championship game. Oklahoma won the championship, and they had maybe one of the best dominating softball players uh ever uh she i think she hit one or two home runs uh in the championship game and just uh it was phenomenal to watch it because that ball comes to they pitch underhand but it comes at you in a hurry and right. that was fun to watch and then we've been watching uh even your mom and i've been watching the, some of the college world series because mm-hmm. it's so exciting it's so i think it's it's uh so much i mean I, sports are, are fun to watch anyway but college baseball is such a fast-paced game so much emotion and then mm-hmm. you're seeing crowds filled up for the first time everywhere right and that's really neat to watch. And then it was kind of interesting. You and I, we know Arizona and Ole Miss, and they played against each other in the Super Regional. And our folks from Ole Miss came down to Tucson, Arizona, and it was yeah. only about 110 degrees. <laughs> Gave them a warm welcome. <laughs> and my man, you know, my, my guy, I recruited to go to Ole Miss, John Rice Plumley. He's a quarterback, and he's a baseball player as well. He FaceTimed me when they first got to Tucson, and he's and I had forgot that they were going there. He said, he got, I said, what's up, John? I said, he said, gosh, coach, it's hot out here. And I'm like, it's hot in Mississippi, too. And he goes, no, it's like really hot. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, and I'm not sweating, but I'm really hot, you know, because it's such a dry heat. Right. So, and then uh, he went out and got like a couple hits and scored a couple runs and did all that. But Arizona won the series. And Jay Johnson, uh, another good friend, uh, baseball coach at Arizona, uh, going to the World Series was the Pac-12 Coach of the Year. It's just a, done a phenomenal job there. So, and it's still going on right now. The College World Series is going to start up uh, in a week in Omaha, Nebraska. So it's it's a lot of fun, folks. If you have not watched it, it's you'll see a lot of emotion and and a, and a great atmosphere. Yeah, I think because of the pandemic, people are so eager now to get to these games. And well, I, I don't think it's, yeah. yeah, exactly. Now they're get getting out, filling the stands up. You're seeing a lot more people. I feel like it's being covered a little bit more. Like it's just yeah. been everyone's excited to just get out and be a part of sports because, of course, the season was cut short last year. You didn't even get to have a champion. And now you're getting people back in the stands and yeah. people are enjoying themselves. It seems like we're getting an announcement every week from, from some stadium football stadium is saying we're going to be at full capacity in the fall. And that's, that's gotta be great news. I think a lot of people are anxious to get out and, 
and to socialize and, and watch, uh, watch some sports. So moving on to our coaching tip of the day, what is your advice this week? Good question. I think a lot, I get a lot of young coaches that, you know, they, they want to learn the whole game of football and I tell them it's good. I don't, don't put yourself into where you just know one side of the ball or just one position. And obviously you got to be a good recruiter, be able to, to help fundraise and do all the other things that college coaches have to do. But you also, this is important for a coach. You also kind of want to be a, well, I don't want to say experts too strong of a word, but a specialist in a certain area of the game that kind of that puts you in a standpoint that you know this position as well as anybody and you always stay on top of it. So, for instance, if you're an O-line guy, know the entire offense, understand the entire game of football, but know the ins and outs of coaching an offensive lineman, the technique, the drills that you would do, the upcoming trends, how they make your guys in shape and all that kind of stuff. So you can be an O-line – if you're interviewing for a job and it's an O-line job and your expertise, there's nothing that you're not going to be prepared for. And I think as you become older, all right, as an experienced coach, you learn to be more than one position. But you're always going to have that one spot where, hey – I need the best receiver coach in the country, mm-hmm. assuming they all can recruit well, because you got to be able to recruit. If I want to get the best receiver coach in the country, this is a guy that knows receiver play and be able to answer anything and everything and how to develop them, coach them, scheme them up, and and uh, be the go-to guy for that spot. Makes sense to me. And then do you have any tips for a recruit or player right now who might be listening? You know, it's it's a lot of what we were talking at our camp the other day. I said, you know, there's a lot of players that want those spots on college teams and want that scholarship, what have you. And in order, how do you gonna, what are you going to do to separate yourself, to put yourself in the front of that line, so to speak? Well, obviously, the first and most important thing is be a really good high school player. You know, be a good player, put that film together, send that to coaches. But you also can do nowadays. It's so easy. You can videotape yourself doing drills whether it's workout drills, whether it's you just working out, whether it's you doing different things that shows your total uh, person, both on and off the field. And not enough, I don't see enough guys doing that. And they can do it themselves. Everybody's got a camera and an iPhone or what have you. So videotape yourself doing a workout. Show them some of the drills that you do. Videotape yourself make, giving a speech. You know, showing some versatility, showing what kind of person you are. Because coaches don't, you know, they may get to see you once or twice, but they don't, as college coaches, we don't get to see our guys all the time and don't know them as well. And the more we know about them, particularly if it's positive, the better your chance. And you can separate yourself, prospects, by having extra than just the high school film, more things that you can put on a camera that shows who you are and how you're going to compete, and how you're going to thrive and have success. So just try to make yourself stand out and be unique from the rest, and hey, work yeah, a little hard. In a good way. <laughs> yeah, some guys, unfortunately, are standing out in a bad way because they're putting something stupid on social media. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, coaches look at that. We have people that look into every prospect all the time and see if they do something that that uh, is negative on social media. And that's the person that, oh, I don't know about him, he's immature or what have you. You know, do something positive to separate yourself uh, if you want to post things. So we're going to finish off our episode with questions of the week. Our first one being from spreadoffense.com. 
they asked dad if you could break down the specific play in game. So if you can, you look up on our social media, we're going to have this video. So in case you're not sure what we're talking about, but this game back in 2010, Denard Robinson ran for 258 yards through for 244 yards versus Notre Dame. They want you to break it down, explain the play that we're talking about in this game. Yeah, that was a that was at Notre Dame. It was a good one for for the Michigan Wolverines. Denard had, like you said, over 500 yards. And I remember the play they're talking about was a uh, true RPO. It was a quarterback ISO play where we had the lead back blocking for Denard and Denard reading the cover down, which would have been the uh, either the nickel or the safety over top of the slot receiver, which was Roy Roundtree at the time. And so as Denard is running his quarterback ISO play, if the cover down over top of the slot came in to make the tackle, he was just going to dump that seam throw to Roy. Well, that's exactly what happened. It was got blocked up. The cover down came down to tackle Denard. He just kind of flipped it for Roy uh, for an easy touchdown. And we actually ran that a couple times throughout the season uh, for, for big plays and for touchdowns. But in that game there, Denard was pretty electric. As you said, 258 running and 244 throwing. And, and somebody actually said, actually, I remember one of the reporters after the game says, do you think you ran him too much? I'm like, uh, nope. I think it was just <laughs> fine. I think he wasn't complaining. It was going okay. <laughs> yeah, one man RPO that game. Yeah, there he goes. Our next question is for me. And our favorite gal, Jen, asks, What's it like being the daughter of a head coach? Is it as stressful on a family as one might expect? Yeah, go ahead, Jen. Ask the, ask Raquel those questions. That's a great question. <laughs> um, I would say it's really not as stressful as you would think. I think there are definitely stressful times, and you may – I moved a little bit, but I actually didn't move as much as a lot of coaches' kids have. But there are some times where it's stressful where – there's maybe a little bit of lack of stability, especially now. I would say within the coaching profession now, there's pretty much no stability. You you may have one or two years or something like that. So I could see it being a lot more stressful now. You kind of be like a got to be like a military kid. You got to learn to make friends in different places in different towns for your entire great kindergarten up to high school, don't you? A lot of times, right? And so I would say it's. It's a little bit stressful. It was hard when I would say when I was cheering at Arizona is, of course, as a cheerleader, you have to be happy cheering the team. But um, it's not always easy to do that when you're either down by a lot or it's a stressful game. I remember my freshman year, I was cheering in Arizona and we lost against USC, but it was on a field goal kick. They iced the kicker. He missed the second one. He made the first one, missed the second one. We lost the game. And I did throw a pom-pom <laughs> and I had to learn. I cannot do that. I cannot throw a pom-pom does not matter how mad I am that we lost the game. So I had to get that <laughs> in check. Uh, I was a freshman though. I was just a freshman. So I learned by my senior year, but I would say it's, it's, it's worth it, but there are definitely some stressful times and some challenges to it. But overall, I think the positives outweigh the negatives. Our last question is, what rule changes would you like for the NCAA to implement? 
Gosh, we have. I have a list. Uh, it's not a big list, though. I think part of this, and I've, I've mentioned this before, probably on one of our episodes, that I, I would like for coaches to have one challenge a game that they could challenge a subjective call, you know, a call that it's holding or pass interference or late hit or something that's not review, viewable uh, in the present rules that is a coach, you can say that wasn't pass interference or that wasn't holding. And because those one, sometimes those one critical calls, a holding on a touchdown play or a defensive pass interference that shouldn't have been a pass interference that kept the drive going. Sometimes you got one critical play that maybe the official didn't see it right or, or was, uh, you know, you questioned a little bit. So having one challenge to that i think a lot of coaches uh would appreciate that and i think it would make the game more fair at times well i think that wraps up this week's episode we appreciate you for listening in please let us know if you have any questions topics or any ideas we have some exciting stuff coming up in our future so make sure to tune into our social media accounts our instagram is at hard edge football our Twitter is at Hard Edge FB. Appreciate again for everybody listening and, and thanks for being part of the Hard Edge Football Podcast. I think there's a lot of exciting things that are going to happen in the world of college sports in the year 2021 here in Monroe, Louisiana, and everywhere else uh, throughout our country. So stay tuned. We hope you have a great rest of your week.